Welcome to Dream Chasers Radio, where we are always daring to be different. Get ready, get ready, get ready to be inspired. Let's get moving toward our goals. And here to make that happen is our host, Yaya Diamond. Oh, yes, oh, yes, I'm daring to be different. This is your host, Yaya Diamond, and we are coming to you live from the studios of Dream Chasers Radio, um, podcasting and TV and all different kinds of other stuff going on here. I want to thank you guys for tuning in at 97.5 FM Real Community Radio in North Florida, Florida, as well as Bombay Radio in New York City, and the Dream Chasers Radio Network and TV uh, stations on Roku and all that good stuff. I am... So excited about today's show because I have so much to share with you today, um, not only with uh, our possible um, people that are calling in today, but also personally, I've been studying as I normally do, and there are a lot of things that I want to share with you today. But first, we're going to go ahead and just uh, listen to some um, some music. How about that? We're going to listen to a little bit of music. And then we're going to go ahead and go right into everything. I'm excited. Oh, my gosh. I'm so excited about today. I'm so excited. All right. Let's get this music on the way. I tell you one thing. Let's go, baby. Let's go. This music going.
wife center. She hits me in my heart, in my heart like a kick drum. Do it from the start, from the start. She was it, she was it. I'm falling. No parachute. I was talking about you. I'm telling all my friends. I think this is the end. Like baby, girl, better know that's real. Come on. 
Oh, man. Oh, man. Oh, man. What a show we're having today here in Dream Chasers Radio. I tell you, I am excited. Oh, my gosh. Of course. Of course, I'm going to say this again. I have the best guest ever, 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 ever. And I want you to join us. Uh, you can join us on Spotify. You can join us on iTunes, iHeart, Google Play, Stitcher, Spreaker. I mean, we're everywhere. So please, and also please, hey, leave a comment. I'm noticing that you guys are downloading, but you're not commenting. I got 3,200 downloads a day and no comments. That makes me look really bad because <laughs> I'm not paying for anything. But actually, I do want to know your feedback and your comments. So please let us know about that. And while we're at it, we do have our special guest here on the show. Uh, please tell everybody who you are and what you do, please. Yes, Rod Holmes. I am originally from Mississippi, and uh, I am a singer-songwriter. Awesome, awesome. Tell me how you got started. I got started uh, interning at a studio in uh, Gulfport, Mississippi in 2003 called AMA, and I was uh, brought on uh, as a songwriter and also an assistant to the different producers and engineers that worked in the studio, and I was able to work with various artists and and really kind of hone my craft, not only in writing, but also in just developing and, and creating songs. And um, and kind of going from there and pretty much trying to make sure that I made a good name for myself. Amazing, amazing. Now, let me, add, let me, let me just add this because I want to say thank you so much for your services in the Air Force and that you're a, vet, a veteran. Thank you. So being that, okay, there's a lot of different things that people don't know about you. And, and mm-hmm. I do, and I feel privileged. But going through what you went through, you know, and how did that create the person that you are today? Ooh, uh, from, you know, being homeless to just, uh, you know, being convicted felon and at one time just really kind of not having a sense of direction on, on anything that was positive. It allowed me to not only uh, grow more as a man, but also see things in a new perspective and a new light, not only by faith, but also a, a renewed connection with my family. And also being able to be more creative in, in my craft, uh, really kind of seeing a sense of value and worth in what I was now uh, being compelled to write and, and also uh, give to the public and just the people that I love. Just really kind of put a, a shared sense of, of, of worth in the music that I was creating and really feeling, feeling proud about it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I understand all the complexities of living a life, you know, that, that may not always be great, but then when it, when it comes down to it, you're the person you are today because of the things that have happened in the past. So tell me how that affects your music. Uh, it really allows me to just be real in it. Uh, I don't, I'm not the kind of person where I speak uh, volumes about things that I don't know or things that I haven't experienced. So uh, even when it came down to when I was doing more secular than uh, contemporary Christian or uh, gospel based, um, I always wanted to add a sense of me and what I was really compelled to really write, put myself into uh, and really kind of portray that and, and kind of captivate my audience with that. Um, and it really allowed me to um, just kind of expound on it and really uh, just be my own self. I wasn't, I didn't feel like I was restricted, but I also wanted to also be genuine and uh, be able to allow people to really hear what I was really saying and be able to feel it and, and not really kind of feel like I had to kind of censor anything or kind of tell people, you know, to dump down truth about anything. 
And being that you are now, you know, you you were a ghostwriter, you did the main strip hip hop and the R and B. Um, now that you know, now that you are a solo artist, tell me about that adventure. What is the difference between being with a group of people or a certain, you know, name that's not yours, and now being solo? What what is the difference for you? And do you like it better? It feels like the weight is all on me now. <laughs> uh, I don't feel like that, you know, I can now be um, hidden or kind of kind of shade myself around in, in hopes that somebody takes the blunt force of anything that I create. It's, I feel like it's all on me, and I feel like that I'm accountable for the story that I tell and the, and the actions that I speak of. So uh, it's very different from not being in the background to now being the face of my own work and my own creativity and, and, and putting in the grunt work and seeing what artists used to have to uh, deal with versus what I now have to deal with and try to uh, exceed, you know, with my own graphs because I want to be a perfectionist and I want to give God the best and not only, you know, other people that expect that out of me based on how I used to write. So mm-hmm, mm-hmm. let me ask you a question. Okay, what is the biggest challenge that you face from the transition between hiding in the background, as you say, with a, a group of people who, you know, you're, you're not the main focus and you don't have the weight on your shoulders, to having now the weight on your shoulders? What is that the biggest transformation you've had to make and the adjustment uh, from that to now solo artist? Sticking with what I love to do and allowing people to really see um, the worth in my art and my creativity. Um, That's been the hardest because you always want to somehow integrate some type of change that you hear what other people are doing, assuming that that's the hot thing that will attract more people uh, Mm -hmm. to your music or to your craft, but really kind of staying towards what you feel is is most comfortable and, and most, you know, appealing you know, to what you want to speak about and what you want to prove. And and, uh, that's been the hardest and allowing that to resonate through others that have that opportunity that you need in order to compel you to that next step and really kind of allowing them to see that, you know, I deserve this chance because of the music that I'm making and the message that I'm sending and assuming that they see that or it's easy for them to see that, but they give you that deer in the headlight look where like, I'm not feeling the same. I don't have that same drive as you. That's been the most challenging. Um, But it's, uh, it's been an adventure still because it allows me to kind of uh, push forward and kind of push the envelope a little bit more. Awesome. Awesome. You know, when it, when it comes to, I would have to say writing, what 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 do you write about? I mean, and how do you get your inspiration from where? I always pull from past, present, and, and things that I desire uh, out of the future, and and uh, I really kind of get in a place to where I can really just you know I call it like a verbal steal mm-hmm. to where I just let it all come out at one time and then arrange it later to where I can really kind of put those thoughts in order. And, and make them make sense in, in the form of a song. And uh, and the inspiration kind of comes from just me building that emotion and, and my feelings around that. It, it really um, kind of puts me in a good place when I'm writing because I can kind of just uh, block out everything and, and, and be able to kind of feel the emotion or whatever I feel is coming off that particular track and just be able to kind of just put it all out there and, and really kind of be able to... Um, just kind of not follow a format 
Right. And right. so, and that, that's the, that's the good part of it all now. Uh, and then I find myself once I've kind of sealed everything out, just kind of drawing that back in and mm-hmm. trying to go on to the next or, or trying to, um, you know, modify it because I don't never want to take anything away from what I'm writing from. But sometimes you have to kind of, um, kind of think outside. Well, I have to think outside of that to say, well, right, you need to make this make sense for other people, though it makes sense for you. <laughs> other yeah. people need to kind of understand what you're saying. So, yeah. Oh, definitely. Wow. Wow. You know, in, in everything that you do and everything that you've done, what is the common denominating factor of your life now? Um, I've always found a way to find the positive in what I'm doing and really kind of seeing the worth out of it. Um, Though uh, at times there were um, periods in my life where, you know, I was living within a negative light, you know, I always saw the hope and the goal, you know, to really kind of be able to say that, you know, this is really what I want to push towards. Mm -hmm. And uh, for somehow, some way, it always ended up, in a space where I could live and work and, and use that good judgment and, and really kind of take that initiative to, you know, create ideas to where uh, it all met up to say that it came to be a talented work of work of art. Mm-hmm. And, and, and it, and it was something that I, I didn't expect to kind of all tie in together. I felt like one part I would just be able to cut off of my life and then just start this anew. And then if I didn't like this part, I can cut this off. And then say, oh, it's a new chapter, but uh, it doesn't work out that way, unfortunately, as I found. And, and no. you use all of those different, you know, parts and it intertwines into something that you, you now can, you know, create and it strengthens that. And uh, which I didn't see before. Um, but that's, that's, been the, that's, that's been the good part about it. Well, that's a good thing. I mean, you know, we've, we all have some growing to do. There's no one in this earth that has not made mistakes, um, regardless of what they are. I always think that a mistake is just a mistake. It doesn't matter where you end up from it. It's still a mistake. Um, Absolutely. Absolutely. And I, I never understood people to where they say, well, you know, that was the old me. I'm now doing this, but then I used to, and now um, it's like you, it's like you, you were three different people. Hmm. And you identify those as those three different people and you only want people to accept and to recognize that person that you are on, you know, September, you know, what's today, September 5th. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah. you're like, don't, don't forget about, you know, this rod. But when this rod was cool, you, if you liked a certain part of that, then that was fine too. But this rod today, oh, you need to only know this guy, this guy's <laughs> awesome and only remember him until I may change myself then. And then you can just forget all about the rest of the rod. Oh, my but God. But this is revolutionary. You know? And I was like, it, something's mentally wrong <laughs> with that, yeah. Might as well have a few names for yourself while you're at it, right? Yeah, you're right, yeah, yeah. <laughs> a few AKAs, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, you know, and, and uh, again, people don't realize that, the, the you know, whatever you've gone through in life, that is what made you who you are today. You can't separate it. You You have to include it. Um, and, and I appreciate what you've done. You've included your past into who you are today, and that has made you a great person, not only a great person for yourself so that you can deal with who you are, but also for everyone else around you. Thank you so much for, for uh, including all of you into this, into you. this interview. 
Yeah, thank you. Thank you. I brought um, them all with me. Yeah, I, yeah, just bring them all. You know, everybody's <laughs> how they say where yeah. three can eat, four can eat. <laughs> there you go. There you go. So, where can people reach you on social media? Do you have like a Facebook or a Twitter, or anything like that? I do. Uh, Facebook under Rod Holmes, R O D H O L M E S. I'm on Instagram at Your Inkling, Y O U R I N K I L. I N G um and I'm also on Twitter at Rod Holmes seventeen eighty four. I'm in the process of uh creating a website to where everything can just be at one location. People can buy the merchandise and be able to kinda of learn and grow from me from that site. So that's being developed now and also uh prayerfully I can be able to say that I'll have videos uh being created towards the middle of this month so I can have visual work with the work that I've already uh, put out to everyone. So mm-hmm. hopefully uh, then people will be able to track me better then and then I can then be on YouTube officially. Awesome. So, <laughs> awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Now tell me about your song, Started My Day. Started My Day was um, a song that I just wanted to make with a simple message. Uh, I didn't want to make things complicated. I just wanted to make something that was catchy and something that everybody could relate to. That was just my underlining goal for that song. And uh, in hopes that people could, you know, all say that, you know, uh, in a unified sense to say, I do this, or I need to start doing this, or this could be something that, you know, that could kind of you know, reach every corner to say that this is a common goal of mine. Uh, mm-hmm. So, yeah, that was it. Uh, nothing complex, just making something, um, you know, uh, quality and catch. Sweet and simple. And you guys have been listening mm-hmm. to the interview with Rod Holmes. Rod, set us up for your song. Well, it is my pleasure to introduce this song on Dream Chases Radio, and, and uh, it's it's been a, a blessing for you all to capture this. Uh, This is a song called Started My Day by yours truly, Rod Holmes. Thank you so much. And here we go. Man, I'm just saying, we ain't the same. I promise you, we move totally different. Started my day with a prayer. With a prayer. Yeah, I started my day with a prayer. With a prayer. Yeah, I started my day with a prayer. With a prayer. Yeah, I started my day with a prayer. Then what you do? And I got to it. I got to it. And then I got to it. I got to it. Yeah, I got to it. I got to it. And then I got to it. I got to it. Cause I started my started my day with a prayer. With a prayer. Woke up in the morning feeling like I'm blessed. Yes, I'm blessed. Feeling like I got a S on my chest. That can't touch me. Tell the devil, man, he can go somewhere. Go that way. Flexing on them haters, I ain't got no issue. No, no, no. Made it out the bad with that new addition. That's that body. Yeah, I got the gospel in me, trying to spread it around the block, dog. Got the realest thing I know, so no, we ain't a knockoff. I'd have seen a lot of things, almost lost my mom. Hungry for his words, so I'm swerving on the drama. Got my lane back, but I know I hit some traffic. But I ain't worried, cause I'm headed in the right direction. Turned my life around, and he didn't do magic. 
problem after problem, man, it's grace and mercy lasted. Won't complain no more, I'm feeling fantastic. If you're looking for an answer, bet your daddy got it. Started my day with a prayer. With a prayer. Yeah, I started my day with a prayer. With a prayer. Yeah, I started my day with a prayer. With a prayer. Yeah, I started my day with a prayer. Then what you did? I got to it. I got to it. And then I got to it. I got to it, yeah, I got to it, I got to it, and then I got to it, I got to it, cause I started my, started my day with a prayer, Lord I ask you, can you walk beside me while I'm in the green pastures, show me how to tell the real ones from the fake ones, cause I've been leaning on you since the felony conviction, that's the truth, even when they said it I'd be nothing, learning how to look for all the signs and the wonders, now I see the light, guess that's why I am amazing Was dirty as a prodigal, but now you want my bacon, please I ain't ashamed, I'm committed I'm committed Why you wishy-washy on them fences? Don't you know he died for you? I'm just saying I'm just saying Don't you know that he been waiting? You do you But I'm starting my day with a prayer With a prayer Yeah, I started my day with a prayer With a prayer Yeah, I started my day with a prayer his day with a prayer you know I wanted to do that uh, interview over again because that interview really says a lot about how to to go set even after everything has happened even after incrimination even after persecution even after bullying even you you just you keep going you don't stop um, and that that actually is an old interview that we put up today just because, you know, sometimes we have to go back and we have to uh, make sure that we honor the people that came on the show already. I definitely, definitely love the fact that some of these interviews that I've had in the past, I still have access to, and so do you. So you can go back into our archives. You can grab any one of our interviews that we have made since the day one that we started this station here on Blog Talk Radio. I am I am going to continue, but starting your day is going to be the biggest thing. It's like, okay, so don't pick up the phone. Don't go on social media. Go ahead and meditate. Get your day started on the right foot because when things happen, they just happen. It's not because your day is good or bad. It's just the day has to go on. So if you can realize that and just take that moment to say, look, this is going to be a great day regardless because it's going to be a day of learning, of progress, and it's going to be a day that is going to move me forward in whatever I want to accomplish as the big goal. So this is a small day, and, you know, out of the entire picture, this is going to be a small moment. So what we want to do is take those moments, take those days, and use them. Use them in our learning process. Use them in our goal setting. What happened today? What are we doing to move forward with what we're trying to accomplish. We're going to be right back. Here it is, uh, Adina Howard with Blasphemy. 
Dina Howard on the show uh, with Blasphemy as well as Nasty. That's the upgrade on Nasty. I'm telling you, I love that song. Actually, I do. And I'm so happy that she has come back into the industry and uh, found her way back. I want to go over the five rules. Some five rules. There's more. There's more rules. But there's five rules that I want to go over about how to set goals. The number one thing that you got to do, if you're going to set a goal, it has to motivate you. It has to be a goal that you like. It has to be something that you want to do, not something that you think you want to do or an idea from someone else. It's got to be something that you really, truly are set on. You're motivated. You got your things. You got everything. You make sure that your goal is motivated by making sure that you want to do it. This is something that you want to do, so write it down. Make it valuable. Ask yourself, if I were to share my goal with others, what would I tell them to convince them it was a worthwhile goal? So you, you actually have to, like, you know, and I'm taking this information down from the Internet, of course. I'm, I'm going on. But the thing is, is that making sure that you know how to set your goals is going to be the, – the one thing that you got to do is just make sure it's a goal that you want to do. Make sure that it's something that you – Love. Because if it isn't, you're wasting your time. Okay? You're just wasting your time. So that's one, that's number one rule. Okay? Number one rule, make sure that this is a goal you personally want to do. Now that you know this is a goal that you really, really want to do, you got to be specific. You got to measure it, attain it. It's got to be relevant, and it's got to be time-bound. Basically, of, of course, I'm getting this from Mind Tools, but I, I mean, think about it. Think about it. Get specific with your goal. All right. So you want to do something. Say you 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 want to refurbish furniture. There you go. You you want to refurbish furniture. This is something you really want to do. Well, get specific. What kind of furniture? Because guess what? There's couches. There's tables. There's chairs. There's there's iron rods, there's wood, there's plastic, there's glass. There's, I mean, goodness gracious, refurbished furniture. Are you gonna Are you gonna do everything, or I mean, to do everything, are you gonna do steps? Um, are you gonna use What are you gonna use to refurbish it? Are you gonna use sand for? Are you gonna do uh, different pieces of glass? Are you gonna reupholster? I mean, gosh, gosh. I mean, just we're just talking, re, you know, refurbishing furniture. 
And it, to me, it's like it opens up like Pandora's box here. It's like, wow, what do you do? Do you do you do? I mean, do you take an old dresser and and dress it up? Do you take the glass out and put something in it? Do you decorate glass? I mean, gosh, there's just so many different options. So get specific about what you're going to do when you figure out what it is you're going to do. Get specific about it. Be you know, get your niche. Okay, be simple. Start off simple. You know, don't go for the big thing. The the big goal, yeah, we all see the big picture. But we get so frustrated because we see the big picture, and yet within the big picture, there are smaller pictures that we don't see. Because we're looking at the big picture, and now we're so frustrated because the big picture is huge. How do you get past this big picture? How do you, how do you get to the big picture? Because we don't see it. It can be frustrating. So keep it simple in the beginning. Breathe. It's okay. Let's start from the first moment, the first step. Okay? So the first thing is, I'll tell you a goal. The second thing is, be specific. The third thing is, keep it simple. Keep it simple. Okay? And measurable. The, the, goals, the goals to be measurable basically means just to keep it within its context of where you're at at the moment. So if you're at the beginning, don't be frustrated because you see the big picture. You're not at the end yet. It's not finished. You just started. And if you, if you just got the idea, you haven't even started yet. Don't get frustrated. But like I said, breathe. It's going to be okay. You're going to get it. But start somewhere. Start small. Start simple. Write it down. Make it measurable, make it plain, and do the first step that you think would add to the piece of your puzzle. Because what it is, is it's a big puzzle. And you guys know what big puzzles look like. They're all little pieces in a big old box, and you got to put it all together. And that's where we're starting. Make your goals attainable. Oh, please make your goals attainable. So many people start a goal. They start something, and they start it off so big that they try to attain the big goal instead of going down and breaking it down. So what you want to do is you want to reverse engineer your goal. Ah, you want to reverse engineer your goal. So if you have this big goal of having a furniture, your own line of furniture, your own line, it's going to be whatever the name is, you know, the attainable furniture line, Okay. Great. First of all, you got no furniture. <laughs> you, got, you got no furniture. You have nothing. You don't have a warehouse. You don't have anything. We have to make it attainable. So what do you do? You, got the, you have to pick the big picture. Wonderful. Put that up as the, the step that you want to attain. But make every step before that reachable, attainable, something that will be successful for you, something that will be uh, e- not easy because nothing comes easy, but at the same time, something that is, is simple that you can do that tomorrow or the next day it will be accomplished and then move on from there. Don't set yourself up for failure. A lot of people do. So we don't want to do that, but we do want to make each step towards solving our puzzle an attainable step. So when you have these puzzle pieces in front of you on a big table, 
and you're going to glue them down onto your board. You want to make sure that, you know, that when you're looking at these pieces, you are, it's attainable. These pieces are attainable because they're in front of you. They're just everywhere. So you just got to put it together. But they're pieces. It's not a big puzzle. It doesn't come out of the box solved, okay? Nothing does. So you have to solve it. And it is piece by piece. So please make it attainable. So the first thing is set a goal that you love, that you know you're going to accomplish, that you really, really, truly want to do. The second thing is, is be specific about it. Narrow it down to the one thing that you think within that, within that goal, within that genre or within that job description that you do best. Narrow it down. Be very specific. Make it simple and measurable. Make it simple. Don't make it so complicated. It's a, it's a big goal as it is, so we want to break it down and make it attainable so that we can attain each step as we move forward, as we go forward, in our goals and our dreams. I'm going to go ahead and take a minute and a break, and we're going to go ahead and go with our caller here. Thank you so much for calling in and being on the show. Please tell everybody who you are and what you do, please. Oh, hi. Uh, My name is Roy uh, Harris, and I am a label engineer. Sweetness. Okay, what is a label engineer? Well, what I do is I solve uh, business problems for small business as well as large companies that require labeling solutions for products, and uh, I try and simplify things and keep their costs down. Well, this sounds like right on the market for what we're doing today. We're talking about business. We're talking about making your goals attainable. So. You help the one, I mean, this is amazing. You're helping the people solve their issues and getting everything done. Tell me, why did you choose this and did you stumble upon it or is it something that you knew you wanted to do? Well, I actually stumbled into the business uh, 32 years ago Mm. by accident. Oh, my gosh. So I I stumbled into the business. I found it intriguing, very interesting, and I pursued uh, my career in this. Uh, in being, I've been to label school. I keep my my uh, products up to date. I keep my knowledge up to date, and I'm always learning something new every day. Uh, dealing with uh, the general public. I find that uh, there are no two situations the same. Mm. Hmm. Now, this is interesting to me because I've never really had to deal with a label engineer, never had to deal with someone who actually had to go in and give solutions. So what is it that you actually would do? Like somebody has a Fortune 500 company or, or something to that effect, and they need you to go in and do what? Well, for some cases, they might have, they might need a label that'll. Uh, I'll use a say a pulp company that manufactures pulp and paper, so they would mm-hmm. need a label that that goes onto the finished roll, and then they have uh, they require one big label, and then they require eight smaller labels that'll each come out individually. So through each station that the roll of paper passes through until it finally leaves the uh, plant. 
So I, I, I designed something for them that works really well. And uh, they're very happy with the solution because uh, it's cost-effective. And uh, they can get their, their uh, product out the door and it's properly tracked all the way down mm-hmm. through the line. Well, I have to blame you for something. And don't take this personally, but you're the guy, you're the guy that puts everything in a nice, neat package, and then when we consumers take it out, we can't get it back in. <laughs> well, sometimes, uh, I mean, you know, there's so many different kinds of combinations. For instance, uh, there, there's some labels that require that you peel up a little corner, and then there's mm-hmm. more, more detailed information on the back. And I can't use a glue there, so it has to be um, what we call a repositionable adhesive, uh, mm-hmm. Where you're allowed, where you'll be, you can actually peel it up and then read all the information on the back and then put the label back together again. I don't know if you right. come across that situation. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, no, you 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 got a lot of blame here. I'm, I'm gonna blame you. I'm just kidding. <laughs> That's so funny because I was trying to do something today. I'm like, okay, I'm gonna take it out, but I'm not gonna be able to put this back in. It's so nice when it comes. It's like it's so nice. That you don't want to. Okay, so wow. So you stumbled upon this whole thing. What do you find that's the one mistake that a business makes that they don't have a label uh, and you have to go in and they've already started production, they've already started everything. What what should you do before you get to the step of starting production? Should you have a label? Should you consult a label uh, solutionist? Well. The the business should first consult someone in regards to their labeling needs and discuss it because many times uh, in a smaller company, for instance, say a a, uh, bakery for some example, they may be required to to put a a label on, on the baked inventory and they, you know, and then it goes into the freezer, and, they, and of course the label can't peel off, as well as they require another label for a date, you know, for a best before date, and all these things need to be addressed prior to manufacturing the product, so as to make sure that they've covered all their bases and that they comply with federal law. And, you know, so my job is very complicated and detailed because I have to make sure that that the sticker they use or the label they use uh, actually complies with with, uh, federal law. And uh, so it's complicated sometimes, especially when you're getting into... To items such as if you if you ever bought a brand new car or any car, mm-hmm. it's called a Monroney sticker. You know, you see these stickers in the side of the vehicle window, and it's got a little fuel pump on the side, and then it tells you all about the vehicle and it's the gas mileage and everything. So we we make products like that, uh, mm. and then the dealerships will of course put the all the information they require inside that. Uh, uh, Monroney sticker. That's just one example. Hmm. 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 I, I mean, you know, I never thought that you would be required by law to to do certain things like that. I didn't because it's not my it's not my forte. I, I'm not really, you know, I, I I'm not really involved with that. But 
it makes sense. You know, when you go to a store, you want to be able to see the expiration date and all that stuff. So when you, when you, when you set a goal to do something in your business, what, is the, what was the basis that you had to do? Because everybody has to start somewhere. Was it a difficult start for you, or did you just kind of start? Well, I I, I just uh, sort of fell into it and started the business uh, way back in the mid-90s. And uh, what happened was uh, people would call me on my 800 number and say, do you have this size? And I'd say, well, no, but I can make it for you. And they'd say, okay, that's fine. Uh, and then I would do a, a schematical drawing of the label for them and uh, send it to them for approval, and they would look it over, and they would run it through their printer, and they'd say, yep, that's exactly what we're looking for, and order uh, X amount of sheets. And uh, so... We landed up with all these dyes, all these different sizes, which have developed into a compilation, which is my uh, my website, which I have right now. And there's there's approximately eighty thousand products on the website, uh, all different sizes, <laughs> all different grades, uh, that we ship same day next business day. Wow, that is a lot. That, that's a that's a whole heck of a well, lot. Uh, we this has been going on for almost twenty five years. So <laughs> we, right. <laughs> you know, we we keep making new sizes every every month. We make at least six new sizes every month. Mm-hmm. Now, question: How did social media affect your business? Uh, social media is 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 good for my business and uh, and bad. It, it, it's it's good. I, I mean, I do I do have a Facebook page which is uslabel.net, and then I have a, a Twitter page where I release news news releases uh, of all the new new sizes that we've developed each month. We we always make some kind of news release there. Uh, on Twitter, but I find most most of our business is word and mouth and referral, and you know people just come to our website uh, just to look around, and sometimes they look around for a couple of weeks before they buy something, and uh, or they'll if they're not sure they'll pick up the phone and give me a call, and uh, we'll have a little chat, and I will. Once I know exactly what they're looking for, I'll direct them to the actual item, because as I said, there's uh, there's a lot of items on the website, and um, it's uh, not that simple sometimes to find everything that you need. Mhm, mhm. But, but social media is good. I mean, you know, as yeah. I said, uh, we um, we. Uh, you know, we 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 do use social media. We use a Facebook page, and we always, as I said, we always show people what's new and exciting in in the in the label industry, which is not not very. Uh, it, it's a little boring, but <laughs> we we always always manage to 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 show. Uh, we always have some news going out every every week, at least once a week. Right. Right. When you think about your business, 
now that you 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 know you've been in it so long, and and it's and it's moving forward, and and you've succeeded in a lot of different things. Let me ask you, what do you what do you say to the one person that needs to start a business like yours that stumbled upon something? What what do you tell them? Well, I I, I tell them to uh, start small. Uh, do lots of promotion um, using uh, there's different ways, there's different formats to segment their their business format uh, and do mail outs using the mail uh, or use uh, using the tools like uh, Google and Bing and Yahoo, uh, all good good uh, good methods to uh, promote the business. And um, and but it takes time. It's it's not uh, it, it's not an overnight situation. But uh, you know we have thousands of customers out there, and everyone's a satisfied customer. We you know we have a if there's some issue or there's a problem with what we send out. Uh, we always uh, send out replacements straight away if there's some kind of damage or whatever the case may be. You have to look after your customers. That's all I can say about anyone starting a business. You have to look after your customers, and you have to be forthright and honest with your business dealings with them. Mhm. Mhm. Wow. Wow. Well, I want to thank you, you know, for for being on the show. And, and and falling into something doesn't happen every day. <laughs> so, I mean, that was kind of unique. It just, right. You know, you fell. How how did you fall? I'm, I'm sorry. I do see my next guest on the line, but I, I, I actually have to ask you, how did this happen? How did you fall into labeling? Because you said this is pretty boring. I agree with you that labeling is pretty boring, even though you do need it. I mean, you know, but How? Well, as I said, um, I was in the printing industry, and uh, I went for a job interview with a company, and they were in the label business, and uh, they uh, pretty well opened the gateways for me and showed me what's needed to be done. And as I said, if you take a peek at our website, which is uslabel.net, you'll see that there's uh, a huge selection of American-made products, that's available, uh, you know, for shipping pretty well same day next business day. Mm. So uh, we have uh, we've developed this uh, unique niche in the marketplace, and the big guys they're not capable of doing what we do because we've uh, engineered equipment and and we've got a methodology that uh, makes things work for us. And it's all proprietary, but it uh, does work well, and that's all that matters. So as long as I'm providing a good service to everybody and everyone's happy with uslabel.net, then I'm a happy camper as well. You know, that's amazing. I want to thank you so much for being on the show. You guys, sometimes the job you're at is the job you need to do for a living. And, and I mean, you know, you just ran with it. That's wonderful. Yeah, thank you very it. much, Yaya. Take care. Be well. No problem. No problem. You guys know the deal, uslabel.net. It's going to be right in our description box below the interview. Go ahead and copy and paste that into your browser and go check out the site. I'm, you know, I need labels all the time anyway, so I just, I'm not finished with the ones I have, but I just ordered some. 
And I, I, you know what? I might just go to your site and just do it with you next time. Sounds like a, a good idea. Oh, okay. Thanks very much. All right. Take then. care. Mm-hmm. Until Bye-bye. next time. All right. You too. Okay. Bye. Bye. That is uslabel.net, guys, uslabel.net. We're going to go ahead and take our next caller on the line. Thank you so much for being on the show. Please tell everybody who you are and what you do, please. Is this Dr. Nelson's call? I'm sorry? Is this call for Dr. Nelson? Is it? Yeah, I, I believe it is. I'm going to, be, I'm going to I'm look and see sure. right now and make sure we got it going on here. Hold on a second. Give me one second. I gotta switch out my my uh, my view here, and this is hmm. This is Caribbean American. Yes, this is Dr. Karen Nelson. There you go, Dr. Karen Nelson from the Carib- Institute of Caribbean Studies. That's it. I think you got it. I'm I'm Yaya. How are you? I'm fine, thank you. How are you? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. So tell me about yourself and tell me about the uh, Caribbean American heritage and, and everything that you guys have here. Well, I am president and founder of the Institute of Caribbean Studies, and we are the architects of the celebration of June as National Caribbean American Heritage Month. Um, as you all know, America is a hyphenated society. Um, you know, Irish American, Polish American, etc. And mm-hmm. so, about uh, 1999-98, we had this idea that in order to have a community that was much more um, cohesive and not, you know, kind of could have more impact and influence in terms of the marketplace and in terms of policy, we needed to mm-hmm. I- be identified as a particular ethnic group. And so we worked very hard to get Congress to support us, and we had Congresswoman Barbara Lee as our godmother mm-hmm. of the movement, and she entered the language as a resolution, and two years later, we had the resolution passed by both the House of Representatives and the Senate. And so nice. Congress basically helped us declare June as Cabin American Heritage Month in 2006. Wow, I had no idea. I was just, you know, June's coming up though. June is coming up. So it's almost. Well, so a lot tell of me things, about this. Well, I mean, June, June is also Black Music Month and June is also Gay right. Pride Month. Right. So right. Um, it's a crowded month. So, I mean, we're so small, nobody remembers us. But we feel it important, um, especially in an anti immigrant climate, to, you know, talk about the contributions that Caribbean people have made to America since its founding, mm-hmm. and especially because there's a sense that one prefers to have immigrants who are not of color. We want to highlight the wonderful things that Caribbean people do in this country to help make it a successful country. Yes. And so we are really very proud of our work in organizing the month and, and, and basically mentoring and getting more people involved to take pride in their heritage. And I have to tell you, a lot of people who I've met or who I used to know who I never thought had Caribbean roots, all of a sudden they tell me, oh, no, actually my grandmother is from St. Kitts, but I was born in, you know, my, my mom was born in Harlem, but my grandmother was from St. Kitts. 
I'm like, oh, you're one of them oh, secret wow. people hiding. So a lot of people who, who, you know, because, I mean, there are a lot of West Indians back in the days they were called West Indians who came up on the, quote-unquote, banana boats to Harlem at the turn mm-hmm. of the 20th century. And they were very much a part of the Black Harlem Renaissance movement and were very much the artists and the poets and the workers that worked alongside Marcus Gavi. And so it was a very integrative period in terms of West Indian immigrants and black migrants from the South. Mm-hmm. So a lot of that history has been lost and is only considered quote-unquote black history, but it's also Caribbean history. Yes, and so is. we just want to we just want to make sure that as the rhetoric against immigration takes place, that you know our contributions to this country are not um, lost. Wow! Now you guys have the CaribbeanAmericanMonth.org, and you also have um, yes. you also have another website. It's uh, the yes, FutureForum.org. What is that? Well, the FutureForum.org is actually. I am this so this work is my volunteer work. Um, I'm a future. I'm a Jamaican. So you know, you know, when they used to have in in, in living color, they had this kid about the Jamaican with six job. Our mm-hmm. four, and the mother would be just say, "You're worthless. You only have four job. Why go find another work?" But I, I like to <laughs> yeah. tell people, I'm a Jamaican, so I have to have four jobs. So I'm a futurist, a sustainability engineer, social entrepreneur, and storyteller. So. It's not only really four jobs, but the four parts of my life. So as a futurist, as the founder of the Institute of Caribbean Studies, that's my social enterprise, and that's the mm-hmm. organization that led, that leads the movement to um, create Caribbean American Heritage Month, right? But mm-hmm. as an engineer, I'm also a practicing futurist. And so I started the Futurist Forum as a public space, really, to have people of color in general around the world be more visible in that community because my concern is when you look about who gets to talk about the future and therefore who gets to shape the future in terms of policy and politics and you know generally how the world's laws get made is very few people that look like me in that space and mm-hmm. so I determined that as a woman of African descent it was very important for me to be present at the table and in the room and so I started the Futures Forum to signal um, this idea that there is a diverse vision of the future and it's not all the prerogative of the white male species to kind of design the future for everybody else. Right, right. Wow, wow. That is, you know, you're, you're very uh, creative. And also, I mean, you know, to go before the boards, to go before everything, how did you... How did you just get the nerve to do this? Is this something that just comes naturally to you, or did you have to kind of, like, ump yourself up? Like, okay, I can do this. You know what I mean? No. Well, I think what happens, I tell people, you know, that's a good question. I grew up in Jamaica, and I didn't come here until I was already formed, right? And I, um, I grew up at a very interesting time in Jamaican history. It was the socialism era. And um, we had a prime minister that talked about how we were going to become, you know, this small island was going to change the world and we were going to create a new economic world order where people would have a more fairness and you know, better must come for the poor and all of that drama. And I think I drank his school leader. He was a very handsome man, very charismatic speaker. And I think my 13-year-old self had a crush on him. 
So you couldn't tell me that I wasn't going to do everything you said, you know. So I oh think I grew up in an era, and, and that kind of rhetoric along with my personality was a perfect match, so to speak. It was also the era in Jamaica when Rastafarianism was becoming more mainstream in the Jamaican context. Before that, Rastafarians were like outcasts and dirty. They used to call them dirty Rasta, right? Uh-huh. And that meaning uh-huh. dirty, dirty Rastafarians. And then what happened was that a lot of the middle class children were turning dirty Rasta. And so you'd have parents in middle class homes, you know, weeping and solemn mourning, how their son smoking ganja and all that stuff. And so that was a very heady time to be a teenager, you know. So I think again mm. I drank some of the Kool-Aid there and this whole back to Africa and finding your identity and locking your hair became, you know, from the sex from the seventies to the seventy nine. It was a very formative time to be a teenager. And so I think this idea of myself being able to make change found root at a very early age. So when I came to America, I was the only black woman in my engineering class and felt totally alone and miserable sometimes and frustrated because, you know, you're by yourself. You go to the help session, nobody helps you, they ignore you. and you're f- Then you say to yourself, you know, but wait a minute, I'm supposed to be, um, you know, I'm supposed to succeed. I was told I would succeed. So and I can't go back to Jamaica because your shame tree going cut down. You'll be embarrassed if you come back with a degree. So all of those things kind of force you. And I think what happened in Buffalo, I went to school in the University of Buffalo. It was very close. There were very few Caribbean people there. And so my need to belong to a community, I became very active in forming the first Caribbean Church Association. So that, mm. that, 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 I would say that, not, that instinct you have as a young person to be an organizer, then it's mm-hmm. put in a place where you're forced to be an organizer. And so mm. I guess I guess hone my skills. As a matter of fact, in college, I had a dance group. I used to tie-dye the clothes. No, tie-dye the clothes, sew the clothes, make the costume, choreograph the dance, be in the dance group. I mean, you name I, I guess, I, I think I have, I had ADHD, maybe I never know. Something I would remember, what the hell did I do all of that? I, 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 and I, what was I thinking? <laughs> you know? No, did I think back on it? I'm like, wait a minute, did I really do that? But I did. So I think now I probably had a type of AD and didn't know. So I just channeled it into things to do for, hmm. for other people, to build community, because that's my passion. How do we build community? How do we create a better world? This idea that each of us have the opportunity to contribute something to the betterment of the family to which you belong. That family could be the nuclear family, the community family, your church family, or the nation as a family, you know. In my Mm. case, I see the world as my family. Yes. Yes. Well, I I have to. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You know, now being that you may have different people in the in, in in that in in that genre so or in that uh island you know when i think about the caribbean i don't think about white or black i think about islanders um people who exactly. were there and uh, right. exactly so so um so this is exactly why so that's why i tell people Caribbean heritage month is not a racial thing because even in the United States, you have Caribbean immigrants who are Indian, we have Caribbean immigrants to America who are Chinese, 
Republican mm-hmm. immigrants to America who are white. So it's not right. about race, who are Hispanic, right. quote-unquote, mestizo, Republican mm-hmm. people who would consider themselves indigenous people from you know, Belize or whatever, but they're from Belize, they're considered Caribbean. So it's not about a racial identity. It really was said to be, a, it really was about how do Caribbean immigrants create space for themselves in the U.S. policy, right? Mm-hmm. But because mm-hmm. the majority, still even though there are in the, a lot of Indian Caribbean people in Queens, New York, for example, there's a whole lot of Indian Caribbean from Guyana and Trinidad, the majority mm-hmm. of Caribbean immigrants to America are of African descent. Even they're from Panama right. or Cuba or Dominican Republic, they are of African descent. And so the question is, how do we create this new language about what it means to be black in America, right? And mm-hmm. so typically people like myself um, will check, if they see black or African American, they will choose the word black because they say, well, African American means a particular historical context. But, but if there's nothing else, for example, I will check African American in the box. Mm-hmm. Because, of, because, of, because I understand the law and the policy and the politics around that check. And so with census coming up, and 10 years ago when we had the census, we had a huge tussle, and we eventually formed a partnership with the National Coalition of Black Civic Participation, and we started using the word the multicultural black community. That's emerging right. in America, right? Well, that's and what I And defining that. Yeah, we wanted to do that because we don't want to have a divide and conquer approach, right? Right. I think, I think all of us, certainly those of us who are African descendants from the West, as in born in communities that were formerly enslaved, our similarities mm-hmm. are much more than our differences, Right. Oh, yeah. And so in the context of this new world order in which we live, um, we're talking about wage slavery. You don't have a living wage. You don't make a living wage. You're working as a cleaner or a farmer. We have lots of Caribbean people who come here to pick apples and then end up staying or becoming undocumented because they stay overseas their picking time or their cleaning time or whatever. Then we have some who may be in the other category who come to go to school like myself and end up staying. And then you have some who just migrate because their family was always here. You know what I mean? So, so mm-hmm. and then you have Afro-Latinas coming in in much greater numbers now from Colombia and Honduras. You have the Garifuna coming in from Honduras and, uh, and, and Nicaragua and Belize. And so you have this whole hybrid of just African descendants from this side of the world. I'm not even going to the Africans yet. So right. we, I think, especially because we come out of the same sense of... Um, colonized peoples were colonized by our former enslaved masters or whatever we have a lot of like say baggage to overcome you know what i mean oh uh, whether the baggage be skin it. colorism or hair texturism or, or whatever other ism that we have so i think right. we have that in common i think we could do a lot more healing work among ourselves in terms yes. of breaking down divisions of the stereotypes the stereotypes mm-hmm. that, let's say, Caribbean people may have of African-Americans or African-Americans of Caribbean people or Latinos, etc. We have a lot of work to do among ourselves. And so every Caribbean American Heritage Month, I try to do a conversation of that sort. Last year, we ended up doing something on African religions, African traditional religions, as they're mm-hmm. practiced by people in America, Yoruba and Akan. How do we have a conversation 
on about that without talking about demon worship, you know? Why we yeah. why we consigning our traditional religions to this concept of demon worship. You know, not because we're all born Christian or grew up Christian, are we to buy into this this notion that if it's African and it's not to be and we don't understand it it's hocus pocus or voodoo or demon worship. Right. So these are things mm-hmm. that we have to de- decolonize our minds, you know? Yeah. So in Captain American Heritage Month, we want to have this kind of dialogue about, you know, our role in societies here, the role that people like Malcolm explained, you know, in the liberation movement of the black, black mind uh, in America and the fact that his parents were Garveyites. And what did Garvey then um, what was Garvey's legacy? Did he indeed fail, or in the fact that he's remembered today, is that his success? So that's the right. one. And then we also have conversations about economics and, and, and finance and trade and how do we create better um, you know, parity in terms of U.S. foreign policy impact on our ability to survive in this hemisphere. A small island you know, with two big giants, China and America, fighting over us to see who will control the Caribbean region. So it's really an opportunity for us. I, I like to say, those of us who have the luxury of spending time thinking about the future to do so. Because some people right. who don't have that luxury, they have to hustle for the next meal. I think it's our responsibility if we have a little bit of flexibility in our mind time to spend that time being very intentional about trying to make the world a better place for our brothers and sisters who may not have that luxury. Right, definitely, definitely. You know, and and with the ancestry dot com and the the you and I or whatever that is, those DNA testings going around, you know, doing the DNA testing, you really, really come up with at least a little bit of your heritage because blood actually does better than saliva. But it's like you know, you you figure it out. I am more white than I am black. Go figure. I'm like, really? I'm like, <laughs> I am. I am. I'm more white than I am black. I'm actually Native American to like a couple of percent. I mean, it's not like a lot of percentage, but it's like I am Mexican-American, Native Indian, Durango, and Chichachana, whatever that is. And I'm like, you got to be kidding me. I had no idea. I'm not, I'm not kidding you. I'm 17 I haven't done mine. Percent. <laughs> I'm 17 black. I'm Canadian. Scandinavian, okay? Me, 17% Scandinavian. Me, my black butt. 17% Scandinavian. Where the heck did that come from? It's like, it's weird. I'm Russian. I'm I'm Chinese. I'm Asian. I'm Filipino. I'm Italian. I'm Spaniard. I'm, I'm European. I mean, I am Middle Eastern. I got one percent account. It's like well, here's you, do the DNA, you do the DNA testing and it spoils everything for you. It's like, okay, how can there be prejudice when I'm made of everything? Oh, <laughs> uh, exactly. Like, so you're you saying, you, 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 you and this yourself? is exactly why, if you are a black person in the West, okay, I'm not talking about a black person in Africa. Remember, those of us who are born in, in the countries where they were slaves, okay? Mm-hmm. We are mostly very all mixed up. Yeah. There's very few of us who are pure African anymore. Okay? I know. So I think 
we have the responsibility, and probably that's why we have, we have instinctively known this, right? That we are the ones that are going to be the moral authority or spiritual authority around our humanity, right? Because it's mm-hmm. very hard, as you say, to be prejudiced when you realize, wait a minute, my great-grandmother was white, or my other great-grandfather was Indian, and my other mm-hmm. great-grandfather was native something. And here yeah. you are, as you say, with your black butt, and you're thinking, hey, so we're politically black, right? Right. But we're not genetically black. No. And I can write Caucasian down on my, de- uh, on my census. <laughs> you know? I could do Caucasian on my census, and they couldn't say anything to me because I'm pretty much predominantly Caucasian. <laughs> No, actually, actually, you can't. You, know, you people have to self-identify anyway. But the only because reason I would the tell anybody the whole, I would tell people, if you look like you're dark in a brown paper bag test, if you cannot pass the brown paper bag test, please to check African-American or black, right? Because mm-hmm. we need to make sure our numbers are accurate, um, especially around if you have a school district that is not being funded appropriately right. and all those no. things. I'm not saying but, I'm not saying you know but I'm just I'm just saying you know as far as like the testing and being accurate and just being yes. real about prejudice I can check off yes. that I'm more Caucasian than I am black is what I'm saying exactly so you exactly just, the paperback test is just so that you know you know the predominant gene that is taken over in your skin and your melanin and all that stuff. That's great, but what I'm saying is, deep down within, we born on the West are everything. <laughs> well, I, I have a cousin, right, who uh-huh. had a rare cancer, some kind of Hodgkin's lymphoma, and then her doctor saying, "But you're back, woman. That's a disease that most women." white men have. I said, you need to tell your doctor, she's born in England, tell your doctor that your great-grandfather or your great-great-grandfather in Jamaica, he was actually a Scottish guy. And that's where you get right. that Lodgkin's Hodgkin's lymphoma from. So he should mm-hmm. be surprised if he sees in a black woman from Caribbean roots. You know? Because your British yes. went down there and impregnated, impregnated the slaves. Yes. You yes. Know? I know. <laughs> so she comes out that, but her father is light, and her father's mm-hmm. father was lighter. And then, you know, mm-hmm. forget that two generations ago was a white man as a great, great, great grandfather. There you go. Same thing with my family. Same thing. And so, please don't lie. That's this amazing. This is another reason why I really wish that more people, actually, even white people, would do their, their journey. They might be surprised. Mm hmm. Yeah. Suppose you know, more people I, who look white found out that they're okay. So let's take for example now. Let's say Prince Harry's child, right? Mm-hmm. Let's say he comes out fairly light skinned, right? Because his grandmother is not that dark to begin with. Correct. So by the time he has a he marries, he goes up now, he marries a white woman, right? So she's child gonna look white. But mm-hmm. when she does a DNA test, if she's prejudiced I said, but wait a minute. Actually, I have that blood. What are, what are you going to do with that? Mm-hmm. 
I see yep. a lot of white people in America walking with black blood and don't know it. They don't. They don't. And in all actuality, there's a gentleman that went on uh, on the Internet not so long ago. I think it was a couple of years ago. And he said that his great-grandmother was a black woman and that he identifies with black, even though he looks white. He said because right, he can't because be. some people he psychologically. Said, yeah, he says psychologically speaking, he cannot people. identify with white. Yeah. I, have, I, you know, I, I mean, there are, there are people like that who, and, and, and I remember there's a Caribbean guy, a Jamaican guy I met once, and he looked white. I'm not sure mm-hmm. if he had any black blood or not, but he had grown up in Jamaica, so all of his friends were black. Mm-hmm. So he was not socialized to be prejudiced. So right. when he came to America, he had, he had a very hard time because because white people would make jokes to him about black people, and he wouldn't laugh because he didn't find it funny. Right. Because his friends are black. So one day he was telling me, he was on the train, and now some black kids basically started to attack him or something. So he said, boy, I put a, a, ja- a Jamaican accent, you know. And we just say, mm. because some dirty Jamaican, bad word, you know. And the guys got frightened, like, who the hell, you know? What is he, because they know a Jamaican accent in New York, right? So up comes mm-hmm. like very, you know, hazel-eyed, dark blonde guy, and he crossing Jamaica bubble with a real Jamaican accent. And they're like, do you know? And then he said, yeah, you know, check for me. He thinks I'm a white man, but never a black heart. <laughs> <laughs> I fell out laughing. A white man with a black heart. But he was dead you know, serious. I mean, he was like, yes. so he, he couldn't keep jobs. He would always get fired. But invariably he would say something about, you know, what people shouldn't be saying. And it, it wouldn't fit into the white clique. So he couldn't, mm. he couldn't keep a good, a good job because he was not willing to play certain games, basically. Right. And it happens. And it happens. And it happens. I think because being, being a person to certain people is more important than being a color. I think it should be like us with all people, but it's a mm-hmm. lesson we have to learn. I can tell you Definitely. personally, coming from Jamaica to America, where I did not experience racism until I get, got here, I mean, I knew mm-hmm. about racism in an abstract way. In Jamaica, of course, we have colorism. So I knew about prejudice from that perspective, but not, you know, stark black and white racism. And so coming right. to America and having to live through that and understand it and then having to also recalibrate my response to it was a very big spiritual lesson, you know? Because at mm-hmm. the end of the day, you have to make a choice. The first yeah. time somebody called me, called me the, the, the the N-word, I almost had a heart attack, right? Hmm. It was very hard for me. Mm-hmm. Worse, it was a homeless man. You know? Wow. So can you imagine, yeah. you know, you are being abused by a homeless man. And then you can't say anything because you're not sure the man is mad. He might you know, draw a knife and stab you. Right. So you can't even respond in case it might be dangerous. So you just kind of run away. And I'm like, how oh. could I have handled it better? And I said, you couldn't handle it any better because you're not no. used to it, number one. And number mm-hmm. two, he could have been a madman with a knife. So exactly. what do you know, confront a madman with a knife. So just, but it took me a couple of days well to say, oh, my God, it's just really challenged. I think also at, when I was at school at, the, at Purdue, if I remember correctly, some guys were driving by in a car and shouted the word, 
I didn't hear to her, but I remember being very scared and just praying mm-hmm. they didn't turn back, you know. And because mm-hmm. I was walking by myself from school to my apartment, and I was like, oh my God, don't turn back, God, let him not turn back. And because, you know, when people are drunk, they will do anything, right? Oh, yeah. Um, so I was just very terrified. So that never happened. But, you know, it's just this sense of vulnerability. You know, you feel walking um, home from school in the dark, it's snowy night, and then a car of white guys, you know, shout out something at you and laugh and drive off, you know. So it, so those are the expressions you have. And I think that, uh, I think why for me, care of the American Heritage Month is important and how I dovetail that with my work as a futurist and looking at how we as humans will create a future that works for more of us. It, right. it, it's all a part of, I guess, my passion for change making that came out of my childhood in Jamaica. Mm-hmm. I, I don't well, think we all, that's going to change. No. And I think we all have that too. responsibility. We do. We all have that responsibility. But who is going to take on that responsibility? That is the question. You know, but next month, I'm sure that you guys are going to have a wonderful time celebrating the Caribbean American Month of June yes. 2019. Also, future, uh, futuresforum.org. Uh, you guys know how it goes. Just go ahead and go in our description box and copy and paste those into your browser. Go and check those out. You know, being, being that you came on the show, and, and there's so many different things that we could talk about, when it comes to racism and color and, and trueness and being a human and, and love and everything. But what have you found to be the biggest thing that you want to, you know, convey to the listeners when it comes down to just being a, a Caribbean person? I feel as if to say we come from a real mixed society, and I think what the Caribbean has to offer the world it's truly what Bob Marley sang about, this notion of one love. Um, mm. We live in a true mixed society. Our families have different colors, and we live differently than American society. So if the Caribbean had anything to offer the world, it is ideal of finding joy also when there is nothing. Making music and making carnival and making dance matter to give you joy, even when you mm-hmm. have nothing. And I think that's the mm-hmm. other we offer the world, this idea of making joy out of nothing. Those are the two gifts I think we offer the world. So I'm happy to bring that to your audience and invite them to check us out at tribeinamericanmonth.org. Celebrate June. Yes, definitely. Celebrate June. I want to thank you so much for being on the show. And thank you for having me. I appreciate the opportunity to share my story. No problem, no problem. Anytime, anytime. Well, have a good month of celebration. Take care. All the best. Thank you. You too. Thank you. Wow. Wonderful, wonderful. You know, we all identify, but I think we should all identify with just human. We're all human. We come from different parts of the world, and we should all unite. And, I mean, if we did that, you you see – the camaraderie, the, the, the communications, the, the world would just be a better place um, if we could all just support each other and, and understand that everybody has uh, a little piece of the puzzle and that no one is bigger than anyone else. I think when we, when we do that, we'll, we'll, well, I don't know if we're ever going to do that, but it would be nice if that happened. 
but I want to celebrate as well the the Caribbean American month. My grandmother is Jamaican, and so is my dad and my stepfather, and so it's like um, I feel like I'm Jamaican too, so everything Irish. <laughs> so I don't think I have a good accent, but I've been listening to it all my life with Patois, so I understand it all. So it's it's really cool. Um, to be a part of that heritage, even if it is indirectly, it's not in my bloodline, but it is definitely in my heart. Um, my brother's mom is from the island, um, and so Barbados, and so I've always been around uh, islanders and, you know, different color islanders. Because, it, it, again, I, when I think of the islands, I don't think of a, of a color, but a people. Um, my husband is Cuban. So, you know, just, just things like that. We, we need to understand that there have been a lot of different things that have gone on in this world, truly things that should not have gone on, but we have to move on from there. And how can we move on if people live in the past? We have to move toward the future. And that's why I love her futuresforum.org as well. So please go ahead and copy and paste those into your browser. So we're going to go ahead and finish up those five things. So you're going to be, you're going to start your goal with something that you love. So we're going to go back to the truth of goal setting and, Start your choose, you know, start your, your, your goal with the stuff you love to do. Be specific. Be be simple. Be measurable, attainable, revelant. I mean, if you start your goal with something that isn't revelant, it's not gonna work. And be time bound. That means make sure you do it in a good time. Don't just hang on to it. You know, write it down, uh, make the action plan, and then the biggest one that I find that most people don't do. They do everything, but they don't do this one thing. They don't stick with it. I want you to stick with it. Our two guests stuck with it, and that's where they are today. They are where they want to be, and they are that's the, the direct result of sticking with it and moving forward and kind of solving everything as they go, little bit by little bit by little bit. I want to thank you guys for tuning in to Dream Chasers Radio. It's been a wonderful show today. We've had wonderful guests, and I've had a wonderful time, but now it's time to stick with it. Get it done. I got some stuff that needs to be done, and I got some Z's that need to be caught. So I'm going to go ahead and go. I want to thank you guys so much for tuning in to Dream Chasers Radio with me, your host, Yaya Diamond. You can tune in on on Roku. We have some holders up there. I'm putting holders up there right now because I'm in the process of videoing. All of the videos is going to be done. If you'd like to have your stuff on Roku, please let me know. I can either help you or get your stuff out on my Roku station. As well as, don't forget, I am a life coach. And so if you need some life coaching in any kind of aspect, you know, life is itself, direction, goal setting, anything like that, you know, being happy, law of attraction, anything like that, hit me up on yayathelifecoach at gmail.com, yayathelifecoach at gmail.com. Thank you, guys. Thank you guys so much again. This has been wonderful. Thank you so much. All right, guys, and don't forget to dare to be different. See you into I don't I don't remember where I'm supposed to be, but it won't be tomorrow. <laughs> I'll see you guys on Monday night right here, 8 p.m. Dream Chasers Radio. <laughs> 